Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Light Reading's Ian Morris about how BT revealed that 1% of its network traffic was still in the prohibited Huawei zone. Technically, BT missed the UK government's deadline to fully remove Huawei from its core network by the end of 2023, but Ian explains why penalizing BT might be too harsh considering the progress that they have made. Hey Ian, welcome back to What's the Story? How's it going? Good, thanks Kelsey. How are you doing? Good. Happy New Year. We, I yes, feel like we can well. still say that for a little while. We can, for a few more days at least, yeah. Yeah. Especially since January goes on for like seven weeks. It is, it is long <laughs> Not that long, months, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it always feels like never ending. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so we caught up recently about um, BT trying to get Huawei out of their network to meet the UK government's uh, requirements. And at the time we talked last fall, we thought that they might, it seemed like they might not be able to do it on time and they'd already had an extension. So give us an update. Where are things at with scrubbing Huawei out of their network? Yeah. So they, so there's been a lot on this over the Christmas period, actually, in the UK. Um, all the national press has been on it because this deadline has been, um, it's now, it's now passed this December the 31st deadline where they have to have under government rules, under the strictest interpretation of government rules, they have to have Huawei completely out of the core. So that's kind of the software-based control center, I guess, of the network, the core. Um, and they'd already had an extension. So originally they were actually supposed to have done it by the end of January last year and got this 11-month extension because there was obviously a recognition, I think, from the government that's quite hard to do. I think when we spoke, I recently chatted to Mark Henry, who's kind of the network strategy director and got an update from him. And that was really recent. That's sort of October time, I think. And he'd said at an informer event, actually, that they were at about 50% of traffic on the new core, which is provided by Ericsson. And things were on track, but it didn't sound very on track to me, you know, just over 50%. Um so the, the the latest update, which they've actually come out with this week, they came out with a statement on the second, and I kind of got a hint of how things were going in the run up to that, as I think a number of other journalists did, is that they they've strictly speaking they've kind of missed the target, but they've only just missed the target. So mm-hmm. what the because it's only like one percent, really right? Small. And it's one percent, yeah. So yeah. I, so I think now the way that the um, mainstream newspapers wrote this up was as you'd expect i guess you know sort of big inflammatory <laughs> headlines huawei misses they really headlines. messed up <laughs> yeah they're going to get fined and it's the end of the world and but if you if you if you kind of take a slightly more sympathetic towards bt look at it i think the one percent they're talking about is obviously obviously one percent is a very low number anyway but all of that is actually 2g and 3g anyway um it, you know, all the important, I mean, the big concern about Huawei was really sort of stemmed, I think, from when people started talking about 5G and how important it was going to be. And it's going to underpin all these critical systems and it will be used for, you know, military pur- purposes and other things. And if we have Chinese vendors in there, it's a bit risky because they could sort of infiltrate uh, these systems and potentially bring them down. And that's really when a lot of the concern about Huawei arose, I think, in the last few years that began under the kind of Donald, Donald Trump era. Uh, before then, the government, the UK government, never had any problem at all with Huawei in the network, which is why it's so widely used. You know, it provided most of the 
radio access network equipment in 4G and it's you know kind of there in EE's network as it was at the time. That's the one that the that BT bought in 2016. Um, so the concern really relates to 5G and they've actually moved all the 5G and all the 4G traffic onto this new Ericsson core. So the 1% that's on 2G and 3G is, I mean, for a start, 3G is actually due for shutdown this year. And I think BT would probably have shut it down before now, were, were it not for other government concerns about, you know, leaving. Um, bizarrely enough, this probably sounds really strange to you, but there, apparently there are people in the UK who still have 3G only phones. And, um, <laughs> their hearts. Uh, yeah, and because BT's like, former, <laughs> I know it's crazy. They're probably like little pensioners who last bought a handset in 2006 and just stuck with it and it's switched off and in the desktop drawer. But the UK being what it is and BT being a kind of former state-owned monopoly, there's this kind of, it's it's held to very high standards and it's scrutinised and it's subject to a lot of regulation and anything they do, they get sort of watched and, and observed by the government and told they can't do things and they must do things. And there's a concern about you know, universal service obligations and, you know, not denying services to older services to people who still might be using them. And I think maybe if the government had been a bit um, softer, let's say, on some of this stuff and not so harsh, then they might even have switched off 3G by now. I know, I know what other countries in Europe have managed to do, have managed to do it. And I think the US is not really any 3G left anymore, is there? Most of the networks now have phased it out. So, so you're talking about a technology that's due for the scrap heap anyway this year. And 2G is only really retained, to be honest, because of international roaming and and some older M2M services. I think all voice traffic now runs on on Volte, you know, and there's now talk about putting it on on 5G systems as well. So I just think they they, they don't have an interest in keeping Huawei in the in the core network. There's no reason for them to kind of drag their heels over this. It's not some kind of flagrant consumer violation or uh, some mm-hmm. breach of competition rules where you'd sort of hold them to fairly high standards and you'd say, well, they actually deserve to be punished. I think they've probably tried to do it as fast as they can without risking service problems. I think that's the issue really for them is that they've, um, you know, I've spoke, spoken to people about this before, about how difficult it is to get um, vendors out of the core and move to another core. And if you do something wrong, you can basically bring the whole network down. It's not like dealing with one radio access network site where, it would only be people in that area if something malfunctions. You could have the whole network go down. And to me, that's a much bigger concern, obviously, for the should be a bigger concern for the government than having Huawei still used in a few 2G and 3G systems. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of quite right. sympathetic towards BT. And I think if they were to get penalised for this, now, under the letter of the law, you could say, yeah, you know, that's what should happen because they, they're in breach. But if they were to get penalised, I think it would be kind of very, very harsh considering it's hardly any traffic, it's networks that are very old that are going to be phased out anyway. I think it would be, um, I don't think it would be a good move at all. I think it'd be very counterproductive, actually. I mean, the, the sorts of fines they're talking about as well are potentially hefty. It could be up to 10% of revenues. Um, now, I mean, if they're going to start, you know, imposing fines at that level, then they're really kind of hindering BT's ability to do other things and it's not in great shape you know it's like a lot of european telcos it's fairly heavily indebted it's got this pension deficit it's under pressure from the government to roll out fiber everywhere you know its sales aren't going up it's got big costs to deal with so you know it's its share price is down a lot in the last few years i think to clobber it with a really hefty fine is obviously going to affect its ability to do things that the government would deem to be economically important so 
Yeah, I just think and it's, it, it kind of seems. Yeah, it seems like they'd also be punishing them for. Um, I, I mean, it seems like they've gone about it in the right way of, um, like you said, if, if you made a mistake taking the whole network down, I think people would be a lot more upset about that than if they needed a little bit more extra time to get just totally. this yeah. tiny I, bit sorted. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, I think the other thing. Yeah, just it. it yeah, yeah, think, it seems kind of counterproductive at this point. To, totally counterproductive. Um, slap I think, their wrist. If the if the figure was higher, you know, if, if we're talking about ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent of traffic still on Huawei, then I could, you know, I think then you could probably start to look at it and go, well, hang on a minute, why didn't they apply for an extension? You know, why did why right. didn't they apply for an extension, or why didn't they move more quickly? You know, they they knew they had eleven months in January last year, and they've clearly missed it by a long way, and that really looks like they, have, you know, have, have just not managed things very well, basically, and not, not foreseen that it, how difficult it was going to be and not done a good job in that respect. And then I think you could, you know, you could sort of be more understanding of why the government might feel it needs to kind of come in and and, uh, and impose some kind of penalty. But I think at 1% of, of networks that probably won't be here for, certainly 3G is not going to be here for very much longer. I think it would be um, a pretty sort of miserly kind of move, really, by the, by the government uh, to do something like that. So... But that doesn't mean it won't happen. We just we just don't know. And apparently, it almost seems like there's not going to be a clear update on this for a few weeks because Ofcom's due to provide Ofcom's the, the the actual regulator. They're due to provide some kind of update on performance to the government in the next few weeks. But I, I heard it was not due until sort of March time. So it might not be till March or April that we actually see um, authorities kind of come and say, well you know they missed they missed the target and this is what's going to happen but i would i would hope that what they, what they would do is say you know they they were they were basically there on the 31st of december to all intents and purposes in, in the networks that are deemed important and you know and therefore they they, they won't suffer any kind of uh, punishment for for that but we have to see yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the yeah that was kind of going to be my next question if any government officials had had uh, made any comments but sounds like we might have to wait even yeah you know into the first quarter <laughs> i think so I, mean, I, I got in touch with the dcit now it used to be the dcms but dcit's the government department that kind of deals with all this stuff and they they sort of sent a statement over that was very non-committal but basically said we they, they did say in the statement it said something like we need to make sure that we don't um you know risk service disruption and when we're doing this sort of thing and you know that we support operators in in trying to remove Huawei, um, and they they certainly didn't come along and say, um, yeah, they've missed it. We're going to find them, but um, probably you wouldn't expect that. So, um, and it doesn't rule it out. As I say, we just have to see what's going to happen. the the other yeah. The other thing to watch, I suppose, now is um, if anybody else is affected. Apparently, there was um, rumours that another operator has, did actually request an extension. Um, from what I've heard, and the only one I can think that it might be, and this is total speculation, but it would be Sky, which doesn't actually have a network. It's, uh, it doesn't it doesn't operate a radio access network. Um, it sort of functions as an as an MVNO in the UK, but seems to have built out its own core, and it seems to be using Huawei for that core. And they there were certainly reports in the Financial Times a few weeks ago about some service disruption to do with moving off the core to um you know to uh to a newer one um and they've been pretty pretty hush hush about it sky certainly in sort of dealings with the press and in, in what i've been able to get out of them but 
I can only think that it would be them that's kind of gone ahead and requested this this extension that's been reported in some newspapers. Um, and then the other thing is the actual radio access network, but there's quite a bit longer to go on that front. So they have until the end of 2027 to take it out of the um, radio access network, which is a bigger bigger task, maybe may less complicated in some ways. As I say, if you ta- if you have a problem at a site, then it doesn't take it doesn't affect as many customers, only the customers in that particular area. But there's a lot of sites, you know, there's like, there was 19,000 in BT's case, and it did used to use Huawei across most of it, I think, at one time, and it's it's been moving down, scaling down to, you know, in in line with kind of government interim targets. So I think about, there had to be at less than 35% last summer. Um, And it seems like they managed to do that. So that's what roughly 7,000 sites would still be. Um, Huawei ones if they were at the absolute limit and you have Vodafone um, obviously moving not to one of the traditional vendors but using Open RAN instead to to take Huawei out but they've they seem to have a really big job to do as well they've still got a long way to go before that technology is really rolled out they've only they've only kind of been testing it so far um, so yeah there's a yeah. few more years so to go not, on it's, that not over <laughs> it's not over yet yeah the Huawei the yeah. Huawei issue rolls on yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Like a bad pimple or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, was yeah, trying I know. To I know. It's, it gives us all time to about for years, but um, yeah, this this will it'll just keep going, I suppose. And yeah, same thing. I mean, twenty twenty seven is a long way off yet, but it will be um, a, an interesting year, I guess, to see what's happened and you know how how much progress has been made. Whether it is easy to 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 hit that day, it should it shouldn't be too difficult a deadline to um to realize i don't think i mean they've given them a long time to do that to avoid the right. risk of disruption i think the, the main challenge is probably in the case of um vodafone because they're not just swapping to another purpose-built you know traditional type network where operators have been doing that for years they're trying to do it with this newfangled open ran concept that we've all been talking about for so long and and that's a lot that's a lot more tricky because it involves you getting more heavily involved and it involves you bringing different players together and yeah it's um potentially more problematic yeah interesting well thanks for the update Anne, and look forward to hearing more um uh, hopefully we'll get an update soon from the uk government about what if they're still feeling in the holiday spirit <laughs> or <laughs> or if they're gonna ding them so that'll be interesting to see yeah thanks ian thanks kelsey Thank you so much, Ian, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our amazing producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.